Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we till up the soil of the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Mary Johnston, and with me is the cutest little Shanti Claire that ever crossed the road, my brother, Thomas Johnston. Rock-a-doodle! That's right, indeed. Don Bluth heads. I'm Rock-a-doodle. <laughs> I am Rock-a-doodle. Do you, My okay, do you, secret identity is Rock-a-doodle. Do you remember Rock-a-doodle, Mary? I remember seeing it in, in, in the theater, which was... I which, don't... Which, which, I like it when people talk... Boggles the mind. I like it when people talk about being children and they're like, which was a big deal. And you're like, no, because people love to take kids to the movies because it's fun and you don't have to deal with them. <laughs> Yeah, well... But anyway, sure. do you remember when that, that weird dog with the shoes that are, like, never tied? He apparently is, like, the Agador Spartacus of dogs. <laughs> well, if he was the Agador Spartacus of dogs, he would never wear shoes. Right, you're right, you're right. They make him fall down. No, but do you remember when, like, Chanticleer... Like, I, I don't really remember much about Rockadoodle. This was not a good bit for me to open on. But he uh, he's, like, dead or something, and they have to be like, Chanticleer. Shanti Claire. Yeah. And they're like saying it like I believe in fairies or something. But he says yeah. it in a way where it like looks like he's gonna like beat somebody up. <laughs> I believe in this so perfect. Shanti Claire. Shanti Claire. Shanti. Yeah, I don't remember a thing about Rockadoodle <laughs> except the fact that his name is Shanti Claire and apparently he's the Elvis of chickens. <laughs> yeah. and, no, I totally frankly... totally remember that. But then I also realized all the dogs with roads together, I'm like, does he go to hell? Or is that all, no, all dogs go to heaven? That's all dogs go to heaven. Are you, okay, but are you sure? Would you put your hand on a Bible and be like, at no point in shot to clear is there references to going to hell? I can't say for sure because, you know, like, the brave little toaster basically goes to hell. So right. I feel like that's a thing with those kind of animated People movies. People like, kids love to be scared. Children love seeing hell. All right, today we are talking about four-sided triangle. Um, which but is Mary, a four-sided triangle, that doesn't make any sense. That's a square. <laughs> is a four-sided triangle a square? <laughs> Don't worry, I got to the bottom of it. And, or is uh, it a is it a pyramid? Is it like a D four? Oh, D and D dice. <laughs> I don't know. The most the, dangerous of the D and D dice. Always point off. The hard one to read. <laughs> the least like sensible seeming one. The one that seems like kind of a joke. Yeah. Yeah, but this four sided triangle is not. A D&D dice. Instead, roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. Roll the dice to see if I have brain damage and the scarecrow is alive. Instead, this is about (laughs) an abusive couple, George and Louisa, right? Mm -hmm. George and Louisa Yates, who are holding a young woman, Mary Jo, captive as a farmhand in this chicken fried nightmare. One morning, Mary Jo attempts to escape with a head wound after George sexually assaults her in the barn and hallucinates that the farm's scarecrow is alive. She believes the scarecrow is her man and begins visiting him at night in hopes of consummating their relationship. Will this budding romance finally set Mary Jo free or will it turn out to just be a straw man? Ba-dum-bum. So this is a this is a this is a tight little cast. Uh, who who's who are the who's in this who's in this picture? 
Who's in this episode? <laughs> Creepers, get out your bingo cards. We're about to sit. There's really only three characters. This is a three-hander. <laughs> Unlike all those TV series where you have like 20, 25 people. <laughs> a cast of thousands. <laughs> this isn't The Wire. <laughs> a cast of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this was uh, this was written and directed by Tom Holland. Um, this is our second time talking about him. He um, this is his second outing with TFTC. He did Lover Come Hack to Me. Um, uh, he, this is the guy he wrote the class of 1984. He directed Fright Night, Child's Play. He did The Langoliers and Thinner, um, and he had got his own Masters of Horror episode. Um, and I think that uh, this this episode I think speaks to some of his prior work in that. Would you say it's fair to say that Lover Come Hack to Me is the most sexual of the first season of Tales from the Crypt episodes? And I think thus far, this also is maybe the most sexual episode of this season as well. Um, and then also keeping with the Langoliers and Thinner, I think this thing does kind of seem like it's like a, and I mean this lovingly, that it's sort of a bad Stephen King adaptation a little bit. Uh, On the page, certainly. When you yeah, see it, yeah. it's not the way that yeah. this episode sounds like it's going to be. Is not the way that it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but anyway, at all. So, so it sounds it sounds like kind of goofy and weird, and it sounds like the twist is going to be that the scarecrow is alive, and it's not. Right. <laughs> Spoilers, you guys. The twist is not that the scarecrow is alive. Anyway, so um, uh, in the cast we have Patricia Arquette as Mary Jo. Um, she of True Romance, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which in her IMDb page, they're like, many people think is the most, the, the best entry in this in the franchise. Um, and of course, Lost Highway. She also will eventually marry and divorce Nicolas Cage. Um, I feel like she's sort of at the, well, she's probably actually sort of at the beginning, but but at the height of her 90s it girl sort of powers here. Um, right. And then, she's, so, and then, she's like, uh, she's like Alicia Silverstone when she was in the Rolling Stones music videos. Yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. Aerosmith. Yeah, Aerosmith. <laughs> Rolling Stones. That would yes. be weird. <laughs> Brown sugar. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to feed bad. my baby Feels with bad. my mouth. Anyway, so Chelsea Chelsea Ross, um, who is a man, is George Yates. Um, and this is a guy who um, actually joined the Air Force and became, uh, as a lieutenant in the Air Force. Uh, served in Vietnam, received a bronze star, and then Just retired. Like then retired as a captain, and then became an actor. Um, and he's in. He's in. He was in Hoosiers. He was in Major League. Um, he was in Basic Instinct. He was in The Sopranos. Um, usually, he plays like a cop, or like, he does. He does a lot of character work where he's like a cop or a military guy. He's in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He's the, in, is it Ted's Nightmare or Ted's version of hell where he like gets, is going to be sent to military school. Oh, yeah. But anyway, he's, he's one of these guys where I feel like when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, I feel like I've seen him all over the place, but I don't remember exactly where. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. And then uh, I, I then Susan Blomart is Louisa Yates. She of Pet Cemetery, Edward Scissorhands mouse hunt she also has the um interesting uh byline of playing judge rebecca steinman in three different law and order series <laughs> she's in law and order regular classic law and order svu and law and order trial by jury which i confess is part of the franchise they didn't even know existed i didn't i'm not a law and order uh super fan 
or even a casual fan. I don't know if I've <laughs> yeah. ever seen a whole episode. But have you, do, you, do you know what she's like? Is this, is she like some wacky judge that pops I, up? I have no. I, I didn't. I did. I didn't look into it. No, I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. She. Um, she I feel like Susan Blomart in 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 any role I've seen her in, which is admittedly not many, but she always kind of looks like. She always looks like the Great Depression or the Dust Bowl is happening to her. Like kind of severe, hard featured woman. She always looks like uh, Don Draper's mom. Yeah, she does. She has kind of yeah. She has Dust Bowl. Wait, wait. Face or is she Don sure. Draper? Don Draper's adopted mom. I don't remember how that works. Yeah, she's yes, just a little yes. poor child. Well, she's but the, Don like, you know, Draper's. It's hard father's... and thin and mean or whatever it is. The she's is like Don Draper's thing. father's wife. Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. Um. Yes. Yes. She's, she's always like, like trying to rook hobos out of, their, out of their out of their two bits. Yeah, she's like she's like the character in uh, a Flannery O'Connor novel who you really hope just like falls in a crick. Yeah. Yeah. You just say that she's got a gim- a gammy leg in this one. Well, that's very on brand. Mm-hmm. All right, are we ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's go. What? Is this what is the story about? What are we tr- what are we learning as humans watching it? I think the moral of the story is no gods, no masters. Yeah. Okay. Done. Expand. Done. Expand. Next question. Next question. Expand on that. <laughs> oh no, I mean so in this uh in the story, um Mary Jo is sort of uh imprisoned enslaved sort of by these i mean literally uh by by this this <laughs> this old married couple on their weird remote farm uh and is sort of um held captive with this uh yeah i don't know i i know that they talk about how they th- said that she stole from a, a convenience store or something like that but it's definitely like a te- like she's like some teenage runaway that they've like picked up and now she can't leave and they make her like milk the cows and feed the chickens and stuff and um Anyway, right, I think that this is about, like, depersonalization, and maybe there's some slavery narrative in here, and uh, I think that, um, that, that there's some, there's some, it tips its cap pretty heavily towards some Southern Gothic here, too. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I thought it was, like, more general. I thought it was kind of like a violence begets violence, ultimately. Oh, yeah. Like, so the, the storyline is that... You have this woman who's basically a farmhand slave on a farm, and she gets, like, beaten up by Louisa, and she gets, like, sexually assaulted by George. And in the end, both those people end up getting run through with a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. So they're vi- they're violent, vile people, and mm-hmm. they meet a violent, vile end mm-hmm. in fitting with their, with their countenance. I think it's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one aspect of this that I thought was kind of surprisingly woke um, is that I think that... So Patricia Arquette, in basically every role that she's ever in, is sort of like Courtney Love-ish in that she's like weird and like like weird and a little bit too sexual, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Yeah, like, and, and uh, Natasha Leone used to kind of fill this role. There's, like, there, we have this idea of these, like, in, like 
independent darling women who are who are like very very sexual and like a little bit childlike yeah yeah it's, yeah they're they're sexy baby women yeah for sure yes but they're not like sexy baby women the way that like Marilyn they're Monroe, not like Marilyn Monroe. Was. no no they're but, like but, a little they're like a little dirty you yeah, know yeah. Yeah. And so she's definitely doing that in this role. But what I thought was was good about it was it was really clear that like Mary Jo is allowed to have like a sexual like sexuality and have, like be sexual, but she doesn't deserve the um the like inappropriate sexual responses George has towards her at all. Like Correct. there is no question that what he is doing is wrong at any point in this in this story, I think. No, I think I, yeah, you're totally right. Um, and it, does it does it make the sexy baby thing more palatable? The fact that she is suffering from you know closed head trauma for most of it too. Yeah, and like I thought about because you and I were kind of like laughing about how so the first the first like big scene we see. Um, she's collecting uh, chicken eggs yeah. and George is like is leering at her through a hole, literally through a hole in the wall. Yeah. And she's wearing like a white undershirt and she doesn't have a bra. On, and we're like, yep, that's just like that's how I these stories like, yes. go. Well, but, yes. But on rewatch, the reason she's doing that is because Louisa like woke her up like she was asleep. Well, although that, that in and of itself is baffling because she clearly is sleeping while wearing combat boots and a like denim jacket. She and grabs a, the denim jacket. And, okay. And, and, an under, and an undershirt. She's still wearing her shoes to bed. Like well, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, it almost would make more sense if she was sort of like out there in some sort of nightgown that would still allow for the sexual uh, uh, objectification or whatever, whatever. But no, this is definitely of the genre of like women with no bra wearing an undershirt uh, where you can see the nipple outline, sort of a like black snake moan. Um, yeah, what, what's the uh, killer Mike or no killer, uh, whatever it is that that the movie with the upsetting uh, fried chicken fellatio scene. Um, but the sort of like it like Southern fried on the farm kind of <laughs> kind of which is funny because the, I think this doesn't have this this nobody. Well, except for her, Mary Jo has anything that you would even call remotely a Southern accent. This seems more. Where do you think this farm is? I would guess Missouri. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Did you notice that the sign at the beginning, it says it says their farm. It says like Yates, Yates Family Farm or something established 1969. <laughs> Yeah, I did notice that. Like, that's sort it's, of weird because that's not especially long ago. Well, and also the way that like everybody is dressed in this, like it's like a it's a mishmash of different time periods. Like, yeah, no, you're definitely right. Patricia Arquette is like is like a teenage runaway from the '90s, and then George Mon, is just uh, Yates or like, yeah, George could be from any time, but probably probably like the 1940s. Yeah, and and, and Louisa and even Louisa, more so. Yeah. Yeah, Louise is probably like the 30s. <laughs> like it's pretty far back. Right, right, right. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I, I um so what you're getting at is you're talking about how kind of one of the central tenets of this story is the objectification of Mary Jo by the Yeatses, right? Um mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about that. So obviously she's viewed as an object of lust and sexual violence by George, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he peeps at her, he has dreams about her, he, like, very brazenly, like, gropes her and grabs at her all the time. Um, yeah. And what what do we make of that dynamic with uh, vis-a-vis Louisa? I, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I actually almost, uh, this sounds terrible. I almost sort of wanted it to be a little bit more upsetting because Louisa sort of like, give it the, the pitch for this, right? Like there's, there's a, there's an old, there's a dirty old man with his weird gimp legged wife. And there's a sexy woman on the farm. Uh-oh, sure hope he doesn't get caught peeping at the woman. It's like, uh, I mean, it's actually the plot of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, largely. But um, it, it, it seems like kind of 50s-ish. I almost wanted it to be a little bit more upsetting or something. I, I don't know exactly how. But um, obviously, in real life, this would be terrible. But it feels almost like you almost want him to crank the exploitation a little bit up or make it horrible. I don't I'm, I don't know exactly how. Uh but it, it, but if if what we're telling is like a is like a, a metaphor for slavery, a slavery narrative, it was much worse in real life. Oh yeah, no, I think I think that the what, what's what's uh, what's interesting about this story from the perspective of George's actions towards Mary Jo in plain sight of Louisa is like, she must know that there's something going on. Oh, she definitely does. She threatens to castrate him. And like, as soon as he's, as soon as he like, whatever he goes, she, she knows he's out there like leching on her. I I feel like it would almost would be better and awful if she was like, you know, just not in front of me, George, but instead she's mad, which is like, which is like the normal, correct human response. She is mad. However, she seems most, I mean, like, she definitely, I think she'd be beating up Mary Jo no matter what. Right, right, right. She whacks her with her cane, like, in a wicked way. You know, like, her violence, her violence is pretty. I was glad that she wasn't, like, just, like, an infirm, like, an infirm lady, like, trapped in the house. I like Mm -hmm. that she had some agency. It made her wickedness that much scarier to me. And Mm -hmm. what made it really scary is there's that scene where they're in the kitchen and mm-hmm. it's right after Mary Jo. It's Mary Jo's explaining that she has this man now. And right. basically George is like, there's no man. There's me. I'm here. Have sex with me. And she's like, no. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thanks, Mr. Gates. <laughs> and it's and it's it's scary because you're afraid of George. Like, George is a scary oh. dude. And you're just watching um, Mary Jo basically just kind of like, navigate around him mm-hmm. and you know you know that that's like something that women do all the time with creepy dudes right as mm-hmm. opposed to just being like you're a creep and i'm calling the constables right like that's not something that a lot of people can do and to see it kind of played out in this claustrophobic way and then have louisa come in and you're like oh no now bad stuff's really gonna happen and louisa knows what's happening but she kind of pretends like she doesn't Or she Mm -hmm. at least doesn't tip her hand fully yet. Instead, she's just like, you simpleton. What on earth? Who would would want you? You know? Well, but didn't it see? Okay, right. But also, it it never seems like, and like, like keeping with like how horrible it's supposed to be. She doesn't seem to ever. She's mad at Mary Jo for like other things, but she doesn't. I don't. I feel like she doesn't really ever blame her for George being attracted to her, which would be like. The next step in like the horribleness, you know, yes, like, I would agree and this with that. is all your fault. But like, no, she seems pretty mad at George. Yeah, she yeah, like like if 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 George actually rapes her, George is the one who gets in the most trouble. Yes, yes, I think, I think that Vis-a-vis she is Louisa. Which, I think which, Louisa is correct about that, but I almost wonder if that's because Louisa realizes how necessary Mary Jo is for their farm survival, like to 
to her, Mary Jo is an object of labor. She objectifies her too, but yeah. she talks about how like like you he- like she talks about like those are Mary Jo's chores. Like she has these things that she she's pushed on this person to do and she talks about how like you beat the help but you never beat them so much that they can't work anymore but you don't kill the help yeah yeah i mean i, I don't yeah. know I, I mean i guess uh, i i never get the sense that the farm is super struggling and until mary joe gets her head injury and then is like crazy and she's like uh you know she, nobody would take her and she's a crazy girl she can stay here and take care of us forever so like up until that point was the calculus that eventually mary joe was gonna like get away or run away i mean it's just it's a little bit strange. She's not locked up at night. You know, like she could have speared him at any point in the night, taking the, taking the car keys off of uh, off of George's I, neck. It's just weird. I think it's supposed to be. I mean, like, I think you have to, like, accept those. Oh, certain, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I, I get the sense that it's supposed to be kind of like decaying rural um, like poverty. I, I They don't seem like they're doing well. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And and I, I think I read the whole the whole rejoice like Louisa basically rejoicing um, in Mary Jo's head wound as a way of being like there is a chance she could have left us. But right. now absolutely there's no chance if anyone even shows up, they'll just think she's like this simpleton that we took in. So yeah. I don't think that there's any plan to release her anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I sure, think that sure. Louisa's just like Oh yeah, now it's even easier to keep her here, um, yeah. and I, I think you just kind of have to accept the fact that like like sh- Mary Jo has like some calculations of leaving and escaping. You know, you see her yeah, looking right. at She's, the key and looking at the, at the yeah. yep. But like, I don't I don't think that I think for this narrative to work, you have to accept that like she can't oh, yeah, she can't just grab it from his neck. Yeah, yeah, like, no, it's no, right, just, right. It's yeah, not going to work. I mean, I'm not like, where are her leg irons? Why isn't she locked up in the stockade? But also, it's sort of like Louisa is, in a lot of ways, the, like, hard, like, as we talked about at the top, she's, like, hard and cruel and, like, lived a, lived a bad life. But she also absolutely can't run the farm by herself because yeah. she is in, like, she has, like, polio legs? I don't know. Yeah, what's yeah. Going she, on she wears her. a leg brace. It's fine. Yeah, and has yeah. a cane, and, and has a cane, and despite being able to like march around and hit people, she can't like enter the cornfield. It's like base. Well, it doesn't stop her later, but right, right. I think but she was just basically. Still, that's still a sort of a funny, very specific uh, issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I almost felt like actually the way it reads until they like sort of explain it. It's almost like Mary Joe is like an abused child or family member, kind of like. Yeah. I can't wait till I get away from this family. Oh, it's gonna ever go, you know. Because she's like sort of a person out, a person from like a different time and they sort of treat her bad, but also like don't seem like especially concerned that she's going to like hurt them or leave. Like they feel just totally in control of her for. OK, but like, you know what I mean? Like she almost seems like like an abused child. Yeah, no, I definitely got that. And like the fact that they all eat dinner together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> is okay. is a, is yeah. weird and, and scary, too. Yeah, yeah, but but again, but okay, but also I feel like that's not played in like it's not like a Django Unchained thing where it's like they're toying with her like a mouse. No, it's no, not no, like no. That. it's not like that at all. You know what I mean? Though it's, it feels yeah, it feels weird. I think I kept thinking about slave narratives, and I'm like, yeah, like or um, they the throwaway line is that there's nobody for sixty miles around. Now I don't know, you know, like geographically or uh, uh, geometrically what that means, but I kind of wonder where they are. Are they in like? <laughs> Like where where is that? Is that in rural Alaska? 
Yeah. 60 miles is that's long. I mean, the farm isn't like set up like it's like a weird survival camp or something. It just looks like a family farm. They just must be eating lots of eggs. Yeah. Lots of eggs. But just thinking about like ways that, that the narrative could be different, you know, when you think about like how people are actually kept enslaved, you know, like in human tra- in the modern world, human trafficking and stuff. They don't they don't speak the language. They are made criminals. Maybe we have a little bit of that here. Um, but then also the most horrifying way is that all of society is complicit in their imprisonment. You know, right. Like if she if this was a actual slave narrative, right, like the reason you can't escape murder, murder your master and escape the plantation is that everyone around you is on board with this messed up system. You know, the way that would work would be like she escapes and then the neighbors are like, you're our slave now, you know, like. Yeah, I don't really get a lot of like slave yeah. uh, narrative from this. I mean, like for for a lot of reasons. Right. Mostly, I get this as as like an, an a a story about what it is to objectify another person mm-hmm. and what happens when that person like has like has like wacky notions that an, that an actual object is a person mm-hmm. and what that yields like. It's a it's a interesting it's an interesting parallel to have Mary Jo insisting that the scarecrow is alive in sharp treatment to the to the um, way that she's treated by the Yateses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, the I, fact that it bothers them so deeply. Yeah, it, that does seem weird because, like, you would think that they'd just be like, no, this is great. She believes this nutso stuff that is pretty non-threatening to us. But instead, they're always like, no, Mary Jo, he's not alive. He's just made of straw. Well, Let me I tell you something, you little fool. Well, and I think it's because that to like, right? Like they don't really believe that she's a person. Otherwise, they wouldn't do the things they do to her. I mean, yeah, yeah I guess. I, I think for me, the slavery narrative is because in the end, right? Like, remember she's singing this like goofball chicken pot pie song that doesn't really have a strong, uh, a strong uh, tune. But mm-hmm. in the end, it becomes Jimmy Crack Corn. She's chicken pot pie, and I don't care. I am mm-hmm. finally free, or something like that. I am free at last, which, of course, right. Jimmy Crack Corn is, of course, a old minstrel song about a slave being sad about his master being dead. Um, And depending on what time at what point in American history you are listening to it, it's either totally straightforward or kind of ironic. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. And so that that made me right. Like or or the idea is, you know, is he really sad or is he not sad? And again, depending on if you want to. I feel like originally it's supposed to be sad and then it gets sort of reclaimed to be a sort of liberatory, you know, kind of message. So that that to me, I mean, that seems like that. That feels like an obvious signpost. That doesn't mean the whole thing is a slave narrative, but like it's pretty pretty weird if that was just totally by accident. Perhaps it's a signpost more that this is a Southern Gothic story, which usually revolves around, you know, the history of slavery. Right. Fear of outside influences coming in, which you definitely get there. Like you get that. Kind <laughs> Even of like this. a scarecrow. <laughs> well, no. Well, no, you get like, I mean, maybe, but I, just like the fact that they're like basically on an island in the middle of a cornfield. Right. Yeah, like yeah, 60 yeah. miles from anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and above all else, you have um, like Southern Gothics uh, elements generally have um, take place in a land of magical realism mm-hmm. rather than rather than just like kind of a, a strictly um, fantastical or strictly fictional realism space, which this definitely does. So, Mary, I'm picking up the math you're laying down. What you're saying is this episode of Tales from the Crypt plus Miss Patricia from Southern Charm 
equals Yakna Patafa County. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's pretty much this what I'm is because this suppose. is like Southern Gothic hold the South kind of. I mean, you know, right? It has the elements, but not the like. It's yeah, not yeah, the yeah, Southern yeah. drag. We're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It could, no they could have like... done that, you know. Warm out today, mother. You know, kind of thing. But they absolutely, really, they, they don't do one that. wonders. One wonders if they were worried about offending anybody, I which is about, a funny. I, Oh, Which ahead. is a funny thing to think about with Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. This also, I thought of another great women without bras and undershirts genre of pick. Angel Heart definitely is also one of those. That's for sure. That's for sure. But, you know, I yeah, do, no. even though it's not the South, I do think that we have this um, this sense of, like, decay and warped yeah, rural pastor, like pastoral yeah. communities and 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 how in these little pockets away both like they have they form their own moralities which actually right. is very similar to the story of lover come hack to me mm-hmm. except it's about it's about ruralness isolating you from the, the the views of the outside world versus family yeah yes yes I would also say also kind of I don't really know if this is director trademark exactly, but did you notice there are also a couple like funny cuts to clocks because people are waking up at night in this one? And, and when oh, I yeah. realized about Lover Come Hack to me, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, he's the clock guy. <laughs> yep. And it's not like also the, and, and it's mostly Tom just, Hollander loves a clock. Yeah. And it's mostly just to be cool. It's not you know, we're not like you're not like supposed to notice and be like, oh. Oh, he's waking up an hour before Mary Jo does. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You're not. It's more just like time. Yeah. There's clocks. time. My clocks are cool. Yeah. <laughs> when I cut in on it like it's a character, it looks cool. And and they're not wrong. Um, I wonder if I wonder if um, the because like Southern Gothic also generally takes place in in rural communities so that you can have sort of this idea of the South. The South post, like, um, uh, post-Civil War rebuilding itself into sort of an absurd take on modernity, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of wonder if that's where we get this, like, weird mixture of time periods a little bit. Where mm-hmm. it's like time just was held still here for so long. But, but obviously, so obviously it's modern day, but... Maybe not. I mean, mm-hmm. it is modern day, but it doesn't even matter for the for the uh, for mm-hmm. the guts of the story to work. I also think, yeah, I, I think you're I, I, you're absolutely right about so- Southern Gothic, and I think you're right here. Although I think don't you think this also speaks to sort of a larger, at least American narrative about like what live what rural versus urban people that we kind of like to we have that we. We we as a culture kind of think of rural people as being like backwards and in the past and you know like you guys have internet out here do you wear shoes you know kind of that that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah you know city folk city folk are like this and country folk are like this and the country allow and you alluded to this or you talked alluded you spoke directly about this quite uh, uh, eloquently and intelligently. Well, thank you. Uh, yes. On um, when we did um, and all through the house in terms of like their stories that you can tell in the city and their stories you can tell in the country. And uh, this one, it, it, you know, it's it's it, it's nece- necessarily isolated um, uh, in the same way that uh, like a like a to draw from an entirely different genre, sort of a British country house mystery has to be because like the whole point is, is you're stuck on the island. You can't leave. Where are you going to go? You got to deal with the, the problems have to be dealt with because there's nowhere to go. Uh, 
And uh, I think that the, so, so I think the ruralness is important to this story and also important to like Southern Gothic too, sort of where it's, you know, there's the, the Island kingdom and it can, you can set up your own rules um, and you have to play by the rules. Um, well, this does, and this does make me think about suburban horror though, too, uh, where, you know, the, 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 which I think plays with isolation, just out of sight, like isolation within sight of rescue. I think about um, the first scream movie, the awesome where, um, uh, where uh what's her name is killed uh, drew barrymore yeah where drew barrymore gets killed like within sight of her neighbor's garage well within like, sight of her parents oh that's her right they're, they're, they're in the front of the door that yeah, they're coming in the front of the house yeah. but you know what i mean though the sort of like every just out of reach um which i think also speaks to uh things about suburbia where every man is the king of his little his little his yard for sure i mean if you want to break it down right like the city, the cities, the horror of the cities is that is sort of like that of zombie apocalypse, crushing humanity, all piling on top of each other, and yeah. then equaling like a gonzel of of empathy and emotion and sympathy, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're you're just all jammed in so tightly together that you're just like in this meat grinder of life. And mm-hmm. no, and it's dog eat dog, right? And then mm-hmm. in suburban, it's sort of like everything's supposed to be so safe and perfect, but it's not so safe right. and perfect. Yeah, yeah. But because it is supposed to be so safe and perfect, we close our eyes to the bad stuff. We just mm-hmm. like push it out. Um, and then I think in in rural communities, it's more like the rules here are different. They just are. And if you don't like the way that the rules are going, mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, you 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 don't actually get to leave. <laughs> Yeah. So, so do you? So, um, would you classify something like American Psycho, where I think part of the horror is that uh, whether it's real or not, the people around are complicit in the horror and don't care? Is that is, is that sort of actually like uh, like urban suburban or suburban urban? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot about like power differentials in the yeah, city. Yeah, of like course, people, of course. Yeah, yeah. people see it. Like yeah. and recognize it, but they they choose to not pay attention. Right, right, and I right. and I think ultimately, like suburban stories are mostly about like the middle and upper class. Ultimately, like it's sort of like to be to live in the city and have the privileges of the suburb means you have to be very rich. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are the upper class. Like may like, and if you think about it, that, it makes perfect sense, right? Like to be to, in American Psycho. The fact that he's able to have like a big apartment absolutely right. has to do with the fact that he's so rich. rich. Just yeah, yeah. he doesn't have to move to the suburbs to get that perk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Sorry, sorry, I'm derailing it terribly. Now I'm thinking about like the people under the stairs, right? Remember the like yep. terrible rich couple with their like fortress like trap house. Yep. Not a trap house, but like a house that is a trap. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're quite surra- literally a trap house. Right, right. Surrounded by poor black people. <laughs> Who, uh, who are sort of the victims. And is that, so that's, I mean, that's suburban. That, I'm all, that almost might be like rural. Like you go into, you go into the house and now you're stuck in the, you're stuck. You have to, you have to escape from the, you know, the perverted kingdom. Mm. Yeah. I think mm. that the people under the stairs actually might be a closer slave narrative than this is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. And like, like the idea, I mean, I think that basically the people under the stairs takes like all the really juicy bits of the Madame Laurie story and like, oh, yeah. and puts them in modern day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
So speaking of like uh, speaking uh, of uh. agency, right? Like you want to leave, but you can't. Mm-hmm. What do you think the deal with Mary Jo is? <laughs> this 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 was my ambush question too. I wrote, "Is Mary yeah. Jo nuts?" Do you think? Do what you think that it's, so? Like at this point, in the, yeah. like let's say let's say what happens at the end. So Mary Jo goes out one night to see her scarecrow man, her man, and her man. I feel like it, I feel like the way it's set, it's like three days. It's like she gets hit in the head. She yeah, goes out to see him. He's not alive. Uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah. George Caesar. And then like the next yeah, night, like everything takes she goes place out to in see the course of like a week for sure. No question. So she yeah. goes yeah. out to visit the scarecrow. The scarecrow inexplicably is alive, takes her into his arms. They're kissing. I love. And uh, Louisa suddenly appears in the cornfield. The scarecrow goes back to the post to, you know, arms outstretched. Mm-hmm. And Louisa right. says, and, you know, Mary Jo's like, it was my man. He was alive. And Louisa says, no, he's not. He's just cloth and straw and stabs him a bunch of times with a pitchfork. But unfortunately, or fortunately, honestly, um, George, George took his yeah, right. perving <laughs> to a whole new level and dressed up like the scarecrow so that he could rape Mary Jo. And uh, Louisa has accidentally um, killed him. And in a fit of pique, right. Mary Jo stabs Louisa to death with uh, the same very same pitchfork. Yeah. Quite sharp. Which must be very sharp. So sharp, in fact, that you, that that stabbing a man to death multiple times feels exactly the same as, like, poking into straw. Joe must not, or George must not have any ribs. Like, that must be the thing. It's just, like, sticking a bag in the chest. I do, I do think it's very funny where you have, this is a trope in horror, I feel like, where it's, like, the person is trying so hard to hide that they're being killed while they're hiding, and yet they're still not making sounds. Yeah, yeah, he's not like, he's not like, Jesus Christ, Louisa! Louisa, stop stabbing me! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I think Louisa is really sad that she stabbed George. Like, <laughs> she seems horrified by what she's done. Agreed, agreed. I mean, and I, I chalked... <laughs> she's not just like, you old fool. This is what happens when you think with your pecker. That yeah, I mean, I, That's not how it goes down. I, I think that that plays into the fact that, like, without George, like, Louisa is... Yeah, yeah, she's boned. His toast. Like, there's nothing, there's no way she can run the farm by herself. Um, yeah. But I think the central question is, do you think Mary Jo planned this in any way? Yeah, yeah. I I would like to answer your question, but I want to take this opportunity to digress just briefly. The way this, this um, there's some great shots, uh, I think, cinematographically in this uh, in this bit. Like, I love it when, when the eyes open up because it's a clown mask and the eyes open up and you see like the whites of the eyes and you see them kind of roll around and it kind of looks like, Oh, I'm alive. That that's a great shot. Mm-hmm. And then the last shot is genius. It's so good with um, Louisa sort of dead in the foreground shot from a low angle looking up and you see the, 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 th- the trellis that the scarecrow held on, which is a cross mm-hmm. in the background. You see George crumpled and dead. And then you see Mary Jo in a nightshirt holding a bloody pitchfork kind of standing over all of this with the cornfield in the background. It looks like, I mean, it looks like like an album cover or like a surreal music video. It's, it's a great, it's a great image. It looks really, really good. I thought Yeah, very arresting. Um, But no, I, so I struggle with this because it, you want it to, you want the story to be something like, Mary Jo was faking the head injury the whole time and planned on using the scarecrow as a tactic to escape. 
but I don't know how that works. I don't know. I, so, so no, I think, I think she does have head trauma, but then also when the scarecrow embraces her with George inside or George as the scarecrow embraces her, she says something like, you're alive. You're really and truly alive. But she sounds kind of surprised. Yeah, that is an interesting part of this. I kind of think that Mary Jo doesn't think the Scarecrow is really alive. I think that she, I think that this is escapism for her. I think that this is something that she can, she can kind of uh, let loose of some of her reality and have some magical thinking around. And when the Scarecrow really does come alive, she's like, whoa, like she like is surprised. (laughs) Hey, magic is real. Yeah, she's surprised about that, but she's also delighted. Like it is something that she's done so it's it, i guess my answer is yes but not not directly yeah right i i, I like your like yeah so you don't think this is a, this isn't an escape attack or this is an escape but it's like uh i'm going away in my own i i'm lost in my yeah, own, yeah, not yeah. lost i'm gonna go away in my own daydreaming yes. and pretend i have this boyfriend as a way to like stage stave off george and like give myself a, a little break this isn't an elaborate escape attempt. No, 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 no. This is like <laughs> she's not. She's not gonna like start hiding food out there and like eventually one day run away. No, no, no. I think it's like a. I think it's like a, a sanity lifeboat that she is clinging to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably right. Um. So what do you think? Yeah, go ahead. But I do think that she, like, at the same time, she's not like. She's not so delusional that when she real that when it when it's obvious that the scarecrow is George, she's not like, "What did you do with my man?" Like she knows yeah. that it's not real, and she also definitely takes the opportunity to stab Louisa to death. Yeah, I mean, yes. Although, it, and so what do you so what do you make of the fact that like, okay, right? So George George is in the scarecrow outfit, and he and he hugs her, and they're like making out, which is weird because he's wearing a clown mask. So I don't, oh, whatever. However, how works. how could how and enjoyable then, could that be for either party? Is is moot? Yes. I also feel like they they sort of they they do something that I don't think was a good idea. Um, in that they sort of tip their hand that it's George because you see Louisa wake up by herself, yeah, and then like go out immediately to go find George. It, you they should they shouldn't have shown that because they don't have to. Yeah, you know. You can just have Louisa. I mean, you could even make it where, like, Louisa is mad that Mary J- like, get in here, you little fool. What are you doing? You know, kind of thing. Because uh, you, you sh- I, I feel like she's looking for George, right? Like, that's, that's why she's, why out, she's there. out there. Yeah. And and so it's funny that she's really mad at Mary Jo because you could just be like, oh, it's Mary Jo. And George is not with her because the scarecrow is. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, she should be kind of relieved, I think, unless she thinks, like, George is doing some third bad thing, some other bad thing, um, which is not clear. Anyway. Anyway, or you um, could argue that maybe in that moment where she stabs the scarecrow, she kind of knows it's George, but this is her way of being able to murder him. I don't know. I mean, right, right. but even but then she's mad. She's upset. That but then she's whatever. sad yeah, that right. he's dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it, it doesn't doesn't line up. No, right. I don't. But, um, I don't think Louisa meant to kill George. At least she didn't mean yeah. to kill George as a scarecrow. Right. But but OK. But anyway, so right when the scarecrow, scarecrow comes down, they're making out. Louisa comes back, is, is coming after them on the tractor with the pitchfork, which looks hilarious and great. And um, and the scarecrow like starts to get back up on his on his cross. Um, and uh, she and uh, Mary Jo is upset and like like jumps on him and wraps her legs around his body, um, which uh, like like come back. No, be alive. <laughs> be alive. Mm-hmm. Also weird. It was. It's, it's weird. It's like she definitely should believe that he's alive. Does she think he's going to protect her? I don't know. It's weird. Well, at that point, she saw that he was alive, so I think that, that still tracks. Yeah. Like maybe, she's maybe. like, it's sort of like I can't. I can't be this crazy. Yes. If you go back to being like a lifeless Correct. thing, what the heck just happened? Correct. Yes. Or she's like, I had this delusion, 
and then my delusion became real, and now if my delusion becomes fake again, that's very upsetting. Do you yeah. do you wonder if there's 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 an undergraduate essay buried in here? Is there a? I think there might be a there might be some Jesus imagery buried in here with the scarecrow. Even the like, is he real? Is he not? I I I, I he offers hope to an enslaved woman. Yeah, like faith, uh, and, faith and with in disbelief, faith in his ability right. to protect when he. It's not really anything yeah, tangible. Yeah, there's 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 some Jesus stuff in here. Too, well, and also I like I think that you have some like Paul on the road to Damascus sort of imagery when she's like all bloody. <laughs> oh, you, you just head trauma that was. Well, she's all bloody, and she like looks religious belief, and she like looks up, <laughs> and then is he's like helping her yeah. up, right? Like that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. definitely yeah. that feels biblical yeah. or spiritual in one way or the other. Did you think it felt weird? Maybe this is just me wanting it to be more Stephen Kingy. Did it feel weird that George? And Louisa, or at least Louisa, isn't like conquers bonkers religious in this. Like we yes. need to see her like insist that or like, you know, quoting scripture or like, you know, hitting people with a Bible or something. I mean, I definitely wanted this to be more like Flannery O'Connor's good country people. Like you have all mm-hmm. the pieces of it. And then yeah. but you don't have you don't have like kind of like the corruption of like a Bible salesman. Um, and mm-hmm. and frankly, the wrong person has the bum leg. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't quite can't quite have it but yeah <laughs> i just looking over my notes and funny stuff i wrote like george is like next level horny <laughs> yeah oh god he's so gross and then i feel like so i i think that he is he is it, it is a scary situation but i feel like he's almost given a more pathetic writing writ, writ, he's written in more pathetic not scary uh but but that i, I don't that may be a male privilege read or it might just be potentially i mean like he definitely that's like his that's like his mo when he's around louisa like he's like oh you just can't trust anything i think that that's (laughs) he's so he's also the king of eating crumbly things and talking with his mouth full yeah like i i thought that that (laughs) made him eating a biscuit and spitting crumbs everywhere i thought that that made the scene in the barn actually very important like, yeah, yeah. because otherwise you might you might feel bad for George. But when he like is yeah, wrestling yeah. her to the ground to absolutely rape her, like yeah, that yeah, is like su- super rape what her. is yes. going to happen. Yes. And then he yeah. and then to subdue her, to get her to hold still, he cracks her on the head so hard she passes out briefly. You're like, oh, I, George yeah. is not a good guy. Like, I thought he but I thought he hit her on the head. I mean, this is not like, like this is like, well, in fairness, I think he hits her on the head because Louisa's looking for her and he's like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Yeah, he gets her. He gets her. And so she'll stay Doofus. still. Yeah. Like, so she'll be yeah, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yeah. it's scary. He's a bad guy. I think that's very important. And I think it's important that they do it yeah. at the top. I don't know. His letching right, yes, is you know. so gross. Like, I can't believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I cannot believe that we're supposed to feel sorry for him. Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, to, to be to be clear, I don't. Yeah, I just feel like he's written sort of weirdly pathetic, which is kind of his his cruelty is less uh, surface level. Like Louise is basically like, I like to beat people with my cane, <laughs> like, but, which is which is kind of funny because I feel you like never I mean, actually like, now we're going to argue do like, anything. Is it worse to be a slave owner or a rapist? But like, yeah. but she I mean, like all she like all she wants is to have her coffee in the morning and for <laughs> and to be allowed to verbally abuse people. And for Mary Jo to, like, you know, milk the cows and fetch the eggs and stuff. 
I mean, uh, she wants to like. What George wants is much more monstrous. I suppose. I mean, like Louise. I mean, Louise is not any better. Like Louise is. I, I kind of got the whole thing that's just like arbitrary, weird, violent rules. Like my coffee's not right. done. This means I get to smack you around with my cane. Like you're just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Did you like where she comes? The, the first scene is like Louisa descending the stairs and she's sniffing and you're like, oh, does she smell a bad smell? But she's actually mad because she doesn't smell her morning coffee. Yeah, that is like a weird. <laughs> yes, that's weird. <laughs> I, I feel like and again, this is this is again because I know it's, a you know, women without bras and undershirts genre um, uh, story. I was like, is she going to be like, I smell the sex, you know, on the farm, back to the land, you know, kind of thing. But no, this is coffee. She's just mad. She's a reverse Folgers commercial. <laughs> um, but she's also like, I would say, like, traditionally, like, I, I think I get a lot of abusive mother vibes from her. That's where you feel like Mary Jo's like a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you yeah, have, right. yes, you have, yes. we have all kinds of stories in media. And I assume it's based in, in reality where you have people who are like, the only way I could get my mom to like not hit me was to just follow all of her crazy rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever she wants. Yep. Yep. So, I, yeah, Louisa, I mean, both these people are, like, terrible human beings. Like, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sad they're dead. What do you... Th- Let's talk about them like they're real. Yeah, what... Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad justice was served. What... Um, what do you th- <laughs> glad George is dead. What do you think the title means? Four-sided triangle? So, I think... Um, I think this is a... Like, it's like a love... Tri- I think the, the triangle are the three living people. And I think the scarecrow is the, the, is fourth. the fourth. Yes. Yeah, and so it's like it's like a weird. It's like a love triangle that's like Louisa and George and Mary Jo, but then also this is Scarecrow. Um, there is who is also who is also George. So maybe it's like four sided triangle that's actually just a triangle. <laughs> I also thought it was maybe like like um like a love triangle story played out on a stage. So we're the fourth side. Oh. I thought about that, but um, it's actually way more basic than that. Um, yeah, it, yeah, or yeah. at least I assume. <laughs> So God is the fourth. <laughs> so a four-sided four triangle is the title of a book by William F. Oh. Temple. And then it was made uh-huh. into a hammer film uh, okay. later on in the sixties. And it is, it is, it sounds really, really like very upsetting. Basically it's about these boys who are obsessed with a girl in their town and they both mm-hmm. become um, permanent scientists and they return mm-hmm. to their hometown. They're still obsessed with this woman. She's more interested in one of them than she is the other. And so mm-hmm. the 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 spurn scientist is like, just let me clone you so I can have a version of you that I can love. I just I just want a subhuman sex slave. Yep. And um and she does she lets him. They clone her. And then, but of course it doesn't work out, right? Because the clone, like, she also doesn't really like him. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically it ends like a weird Frankenstein story where the bad scientist and the clone die in a horrible fire. And the good scientist and the real woman escape out of the fire. So That sounds sounds amazing. That sounds really groovy. I really want to see it. I don't want to see yeah. it, but like it's like it's like a when you re, when you read about it, you're like, whoa! And you totally it totally makes sense. So I think it's about like proxies and like and and cloning, which I think adds an interesting element to this, where you're like, wait, are we supposed to think that like the scarecrow is representative of like a good version of George? <laughs> yeah. Oof. 
Because it's probably George's clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, 100%. 100%. Is it George's clown mask? <laughs> what? Is it George's jaunty corn cob pipe? <laughs> but yeah. I, I was kind of, I was kind of, I, I, and I think this is part of the misdirection, but don't you think this is basically like the thing from the grave, but without magic? The thing from the grave without magic. Kind of. Yeah. You, I mean, I mean, like in that, in that it's sort of like, you know, this rev, uh, you're, you're one, if you're, if you, if, if you, don't, if you don't figure out what's going on, you're like, oh my gosh, is the scarecrow going to come alive and save her? You know, this revenant, her man, her love, her love that's not, not actually alive and moving around right now. Will it, will it save her at the last moment? Yeah. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yes. And, and also the kind of the abused woman angle. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Woman in peril. Woman in peril. How long do you think Mary Jo has been there, like, their help? I would guess, like, six months. Okay, yeah, I wrote, I wrote, I bet it's less than four months. I think we're talking, like, the same kind of time frame. Yeah, it's definitely less than a year. She probably, mm-hmm. she probably has been with them through, like, a big harvest season. Like, I think this story is supposed to take place in late summer, early fall, judging on how the yeah. corn is tall but dry. <laughs> I measured the corn. Well, but right, like, <laughs> it, it, like the cornfield is so creepy because it's like dead corn. So it's not yeah, July; yeah. like it's probably like late August. Yeah, the um, yeah, the um. Do you think that? Okay, so I think it's pretty clear, right? From the way that Louisa and George talk, they have had help before. Ah. Uh, um, and so, what do you think happened to those people? If this was a if this was like a two thousands movie, it would be like this would be like Texas Chainsaw, and she then like you would have Mary Jo like discover like a crypt under the house where all the, all of the disobedient help were put to like you know languish and starve to death or something like that. Right, right. She would have like stumbled upon the the pet cemetery yeah. of all the old help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's maybe there are just shallow graves out among the corn. Or did they all just escape? And people are like, "Wait, so you're telling me there's like this? There's this horny guy with a key around his neck and a woman with a leg brace, and they like made you pick corn for like a year? That doesn't sound real. <laughs> I I don't know. Cuddles and gluten free oh, uh, diet will make you make you talk straight. Yeah. So what do you? Th- yeah, and, and and really, so I realized I didn't we didn't address the second half of my question. So what happens next? Like, so. She takes the truck keys. We see that she's gonna take the truck. Is she? Is she gonna like go on and be fine? What? What, what do you think happens next? I don't know. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think any character at the end of a Tales from the Crypt story is going to go off and be fine. <laughs> um, generally, I think that I think that woman who kills her uh, husband with the with the hammer. In, <laughs> I think that woman is that woman is at least as good as well off as she was at the beginning. The woman with the hammer. Yeah, the uh, I can't. Oh man, that's terrible because I really like the episode. I can't remember the name. The one with the uh, the crabby man, the woman oh, with all the pets oh, and the taxidermies. Oh, collection complete. <laughs> collection complete. Yeah, that woman. Yeah, is, she she's is probably fine. like net neutral. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> like mm. no, no, no. She. <laughs> I mean, you have to wonder, like, for her, does she murder? Her, does she murder their like weird little rascals tribute neighbor? So he won't like rat her out to the Poe. I mean, another another take on this is she just lets those people decay in the cornfield and like takes over their house and runs their farm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She could do that. I didn't think about that. But she but could totally like, right. yeah. you know, like she can she can go to town. She has the car now, but it, it's now her farm. Yeah. Yeah. 
established oh, yes, in nineteen. It's our farm now. Nineteen sixty nine. Sixty far off date of nineteen sixty nine. I was when I in, that sign is so dilapidated. I thought I was going to be clever and read it, and it was going to be like you know established seventeen sixty nine, and then I was going to be like, well, it can't be in the Midwest, which is where it looks like it is because it's supposed to be old, right? Right. No, I think I think yeah. it's just like a, a weird sex joke. I mean, the Crypt the so? Keeper introduces this episode being like, and George, everyone can relate to George. Yeah, actually, he opens it up with the she loves me, she loves me not. And then she loves me not. And he says, what do flowers know about love anyway? Yeah, uh, he seemed very sparkly, actually, in this uh, in this intro. Yes. And uh, and the outro, we got to see him wearing the mask, which, again, is very, he wears the clown mask just like uh, where he's wearing the Santa suit yep. in uh, all through the house. This one, this one felt more on. These bumpers were good, these, um, even though these bumpers were on. in the end, it's just lots of bad sexual innuendo, which felt kind of kind of icky. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I think that like, the production value is kind of getting there more. I loved seeing him dressed as a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. look for him. Just saying. Yeah, he does. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah. The you know, the. uh <laughs> keeping with our it's really a three-hander there are like literally twice as many people who are the puppeteers of the crypt keeper as there are actual humans in this episode that's how they keep costs down <laughs> i mean i know that like but i i realize that's goofy that's a goofy metric though because of course there are like cameramen and dolly grips and all this kind of stuff so it's still but it's just funny that when you look at the credits there are way more people who are the puppeteers than there are actors yeah. you want to rate this sucker i do Go for so it. So I like this episode. Ladies first. I like how it's shot. I think the story is better than average. I think it's executed in a way that's better than average. So I gave this three out of five chicken pot pies. Oh, nice, nice. So I um, I think I liked a lot of the things that you liked. I like the way it's shot. I like the idea of the story, and I like the ingredients. But for me, this is kind of like a souffle that doesn't quite come together. Like, there are good pieces here, but it just didn't quite do it for me. Um, uh sort of a you know try again i like i like things about it but didn't so much do the episode so this for me is two times through the chest nice i i heard that as times through the chest and i was like wait a minute what no 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 like like times like, you know, from a pitchfork on, on a pitchfork yep. yeah yep just a just a bident through the chest is that a real thing i don't know who knows listeners listeners get in touch with us somehow yeah <laughs> let me know bident real thing so next time we'll be slapping our knees and getting the goosebumps over a classy, creepy <laughs> Woody Mouth in episode ten of season two, the Ventriloquist Dummy. Man, that uh, that 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 Goosebumps book was like the child's play of the where it's like the scariest cover. Yeah, a slappy. Yeah, slappy. Yeah, that's right. Slappy, the Ventriloquist Dummy. I was too too scared to read it. Too scared. Too to frightened. Read it. Too much of a big wiener. All right. Thank you for listening to Crypt Keepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere that you procure your pods. Um, and if they have the option to subscribe, um, leave us a little review, or potentially give us some sort of rating, we would love it if you would do any of those three things, or potentially all three. Um, and, of course, you can always visit us at OutrageousMechanisms.com slash Crypt-Creepers um, to see what we've done in the past and, and take a look at our spiffy website. Till next time, kitties. Mary Jo may think she got away with it, but I'm not so sure. 
Despite being 60 miles away from anyone else, there were a lot of witnesses. The potatoes all have eyes, and the corn, it has ears. <laughs> <laughs> Outrageous.